So last week, Olsen was, you know, left, left us on a cliffhanger, Darren, saying that Batman is the greatest commissioner ever. And- okay, simmer down, simmer down. I'm saying when that... Back, though, when I look back, though, there's only been one commissioner ever for the NHL. So I guess Gary, you, you are kind of right that Gary Batman is the best commissioner ever in the sense that he's the only one. I still don't think he's the best commissioner ever. I just said that he's done a good job, Jeffrey. Don't don't change my words. I'm just saying that he's done a good job. Okay, so you're already starting me with this whole you know rant stuff, and it's been freaking 43 seconds into this. Okay, so being a commissioner, you kind of it's it's a very hard role, right? Because you've got to be a balance between the owners and the fans. The fans aren't your boss. I get it. But at the same time, you have to be able to appease the fans enough where they want to come to the games, right? You can't just like piss them off. But the, what about the players? The players don't no, they're they're irrelevant to this whole mindset because um they have the PA, A, B, um they don't pay into the owners and the owners pay Batman and Batman is like the owners are the boss of Batman. Right. So they're, they're an important part of this formula, but at the same time, he's not like directly accountable to them either. Right. Yeah. So he's kind of a weird spot. Right. And then, you know, everyone blames him for for the lockout and be like, you know, it's his fault, you know, the booze and everything. Right. At one point, everyone just hated him. Correct. And then he started raising the salary cap. There hasn't been much, too much labor talk. And even if it's a lock, it's not too ridiculous. Um, fans are booing him, but now it's more as a joke. The owners are happy. They're bringing in that expansion money. Revenues are going up before this year. But, you know, the owners aren't going to blame him for why revenues went down this year. Um, he's kind of just done a really good job like one of the best indicators of owners uh, of commissioners is you don't really hear too much about them right no you you really don't but i mean you said a lot of good things about gary batman but uh, like i think the like you would probably say he's done a good job for the owners but for the fans and to an extent, the players, he hasn't really done as great of a job as I would think the fans and the players would want. I mean, okay, what would the fans want? Um, I think the fans would like no labor sh- uh, stoppages. Um, they would like the fact that teams aren't being, like, all these uh, teams being moved to, like, hockey markets that aren't successful. Um, I-, I-, I just think maybe Batman's you know, he's been comfortable there. He's been there for so long. I mean, I don't think there's been any other sport that's had one commissioner have to deal with three work stoppages. Okay, but I think at the same time, like, don't get me wrong, he's done bad decisions before. And I, I you know, the, the work stoppage is obviously bad. Signing with TNT, and then was it? Uh, what else? Versus, and all these random premium channels. Not the smartest move. <laughs> you know, signed with ESPN. As they were originally planning to do years ago, but then you know decided we want more money. 
That was a big bullhead play. I'm not gonna gonna try to defend that. Okay, but at the same time, he's brought more hockey to fans. No? Do you mean by like the like the classics and stuff or like expanding it to like non-traditional markets expanding like to more markets yeah in china or you know boneheaded move still i think not returning to china i think going to china was a good idea but not returning to china was a boneheaded move so as I said, i'm not gonna completely defend him every single time but i think he's made some very smart moves though and at the same time i think if you look at versus let's say an mlb who's done very poorly like, would you rather not have a NHL where they're attracting younger fans? Um, and we'll, we'll talk about this later, actually. There's a really interesting study that came out the other day about the fans of each team. I'm very proud of the LA Kings for this one, so we're going to be talking about this. Um, they're attracting younger fans, and at the same time, their players aren't openly revolting against leadership which isn't the case in our friends in the mlb now do you think that's just because it's like a different culture you know we always talk about hockey culture rarely do we really see um you know nhl players being very outspoken i mean i was reading up on gary bettman before we recorded this episode and i'm seeing like there's a little quote saying of like chris chelios during the 94 95 lockout that uh Batman better to lock his doors just in case there's a crazy fan because, you know, it's not necessarily the players can be, you know, a little bit out of whack, but sometimes it could be the fans that, you know, can disagree with some of the decisions he's made. Well, I think if you, if you're like, there's the crazies, that's okay. That what are you going to (laughs) do? You know, like hire more security. There's really that, and that's a different story. But as a whole, I think if you've seen the growth of the NHL as a percentage, right? So if you look at the overall growth compared to, let's say, the NBA, the NBA is definitely going to be better. And I would even argue that, like, I would, I don't think much of an argument. I think the NBA, Adam Silver has done a better job. So, like, that's not really much of an argument. Um, but I think if you look at the growth of the league compared to other sports, I'd say the NHL's grown as like a as a percentage, I think, a proportion much more than other big sports in the American sports market. I think revenue growth, and when you look at it, it's going to be a number two. I think revenue growth and revenue stability. I know the argument say, well, look at the freaking um, Coyotes. They're still a gong show. But I still think that the league is in much more stable as a whole than before Batman. Like now, like I think as a, if you look at a full process. Well, I mean, you know, I think we both weren't born before the NHL was back then, so I don't know if we can really, you know, be uh, accurate in our... But teams aren't moving. They're not They're not in financial trouble more often, right? Um, 
I would think more in like when we're talking about how a lot of teams had to move, relocate, and fold during the sixties, seventies, and eighties. I think it was more. It was more related to it was a very fast expansion going from six to so many more teams, and it was a an aggressive expansion. So then that's mm-hmm. why it didn't work out as well. And I think right now with the NHL, right now it's like they are they 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 they're expanding, but there there's a limit, right? They're not going to be focused on trying to expand until they're not like looking to double their size, right? They're they're only looking to basically have like a full roster of teams in the league right but like back in the 60s 70s and 80s you're going from six to like set like you know 12 18 teams all of a sudden that's a little bit different than you know talking about um expanding um nowadays here in you know the t- 2000s right and we're gonna have our 32nd team coming in next year yeah so that's like the stability right like it's measured growth it's contained growth yeah, but that's more a factor of the system in the sense that the NHL can't grow exponentially or at the same rate as it did back in the 70s and 80s, right? Because exp- like, if they kept growing at the same rate they did in the 70s and 80s, then the NHL would be, what, like a 60-team league right now? And like, yeah, that's but just like- impossible to actually have. So then that's why, like, Batman didn't have to, like, aggressively expand, but he could be more, like, it was just part of the system that he could be more selective of how he wanted to expand, but that necessarily doesn't mean it was his job. It was just kind of more of the natural process of expansion. Well, no, the natural process of expansion has to go through the owners and go through Gary Bettman, right? Like he's the one who has partially a final say of where it's going. Like, yes, the owners are his boss, but he still has to, you know, be involved in that to really understand where the fits in for this. Yeah, but like I'm talking more of like the natural process in the sense that there's really no league that's going to have like 40-something teams, right? So if you're already into, you know, the mid-20s of number of teams when he came in, right? At that point, you know, he can be more selective with, you know, kind of slowly adding more teams. But but that comes down to the leadership of him. Yeah, yeah, but it's kind of he's already given the option there. Like he And it's like, not he just that, though. It. It's not just that. It's the ability to negotiate the revenue deals coming in well, right? Like if you look at the TV deals, those numbers are doing well. Um, You don't hear as much about teams struggling um, financially as much anymore. You don't hear about as often, you know, teams are trying to get sold as often. Um, And even if they are doing so, they're often more of a, it's not because I need money. It's because, Hey, we just want to sell. Um, And as a whole, I think the league has been financially very well. Like, if you look at salary growth over the last couple of years for players, that's grown a lot the last 10, 15 years, 15, 20 years. And that's because the NHL has been bringing in more money, right? So I think at the end of the day, if you look at it as like a money standpoint, his growth through the game has been absolutely massive. Yeah, I guess. Like, I mean, it's hard to say that we, we really can't compare really with um since we don't have really like we can't use other leagues as like a baseline to compare Gary Bettman to but mm-hmm. I mean yeah. until we have another commissioner can we really actually compare how Gary Bettman is going to do right like I think it's like especially if we compare it to other leagues yeah I think MLB is probably of the four major American or North American professional leagues is probably the most poorly run in a sense, but 
I think you wouldn't you would call that get, Batman has done a good job in that he's like you know he's he's been stable like he gets like a the B minus or like the B in the grade because he's maintained yeah. the average but he hasn't excelled in doing you know let's say SNS B plus. Um, I, I think a big sticking point would have to be the Olympics. I think yeah. if he was a little bit more lenient on the Olympics in uh, 2018, I think he would get a B plus. But uh, without mm-hmm. the NHL going to the Olympics in 2018, I think that knocks him down a peg down to like a B, B minus if we're really hating on him. But I think we're really just cutting, you know, very small. Like the difference is really small. I think, I think B, B plus in this case is very minor. Yeah, well, maybe we'll just stick with a B because his name is Gary Bettman and it starts with a B. <laughs> and with that, let's start the show proper, shall we? Let's do it. You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we are back. So it looks like, you know, the NHL is finally down to two teams. And, you know, Alston, I'll give you credit. You got that, uh, the Dallas-Vegas uh, prediction, right? Ve- uh, Dallas and five. Because, yeah, you know. Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, basically it. That's <laughs> how your predictions were. Basically, whoever you hate because um, of your uh, your fandom for uh, the LA Kings, uh, then you get your predictions right. I'm a goddamn child. <laughs> yeah basically but you know i'm very happy that i think a lot of people are happy that the lightning beat the islanders because i don't think anyone would watch the stars versus the islanders in a final where every game's going to be 2-1 or 1-0 into the third overtime yeah honestly i don't think i'd watch that or watch like bits and pieces i wouldn't sit down and watch like a long game of it yeah like i would probably watch like the sports net like you know the five six minute highlights and not even touch, even if it's like a 10-minute, like the condensed game that the NHL puts on their YouTube channel, I wouldn't even watch that because it would just oh, be... Oh, I watch condensed game. Ah, uh, Dallas Islanders, like the Dallas-New York, though, I, I think it's a little, it's pushing a little bit. There'll be a lot of uh, broken up plays in the neutral zone, and that's about it. I think, I think put it this way, I think I would watch it, but if I need to go get a... Can we get a snack or go to the washroom? I'm not running. I'm just like, oh no, I missed the first 30 seconds. <laughs> Did you know that YouTube has a pause function? Well, no, if I'm watching the game on TV. Oh, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, sometimes if it's a really good game, you're like, oh boy, I, I, I you know, I, I'm running to the washroom back or whatever. Or like I'm running to grab a bag of chips or something. But like, honestly, if it's that was what was coming, I'd just be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, whatever. <laughs> Wait, Alston, do you not have the control of your bladders and bowels that you can, you know, hold it in until a TV or commercial break? Yes, you know, once I'm holding the commercial break, I'm like, you know, I'm going to run to the washroom. I'm just going to be like, I'll slowly walk to the washroom. Oh, no, I missed it. <laughs> so as we can all tell now, Alston apparently lives in a mansion where it takes him three minutes to get up to his, get to his, you know, one of his 10,000 bathrooms and... You know, pee or poop, and then takes him that much time to get all the way back that he needs to run. Or, or I'm just old, and my knees need time to get over to get up. 
maybe you should just wear a catheter or, you know, sit on a toilet while you watch the game. Maybe you should just play it on the phone and just sit in the washroom and watch a game. Bring the TV in. You know what? I I don't know if I want to shit where I eat like that. <laughs> All right. But we're we're getting off topic here. Well, you know, we've got Dallas, we've got Tampa. I I think it could be a very good matchup. I think it's it's gonna be interesting to see whether Dallas can contain another offensive force like they've done with Colorado and Vegas and whether they can do that with Tampa. But I think Tampa is definitely a little bit more different than Colorado and Vegas. I think they're better than Colorado and Vegas, and that's why they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. But I think they've got a little bit more tenacity that can kind of match what Dallas can do. I don't know how I feel about this one, to be honest. Like, I think for me, my issue has always been that Dallas doesn't get the doesn't get the spotlight like the other teams do. So I, like, I'm, I'll be honest, with you, I don't watch a lot of Dallas hockey, so I don't know what to expect. Um, I think with Dallas, I mean, like what we've seen in the playoffs is that they are very, you know, it's it's not very like it's not like a trappy game, but like it's a lot of back checking and neutral zone breakups like it's it's hard to just get into the, their um defensive zone and actually you know do something right so i think yeah. that's the one thing we've really seen with dallas and how they've been um playing these playoffs right now and you know it's it's a boring type of hockey it's a hard work it's like it's a it's a it's a high energy well it's high energy but it doesn't look like it's high energy for all the players and it's like very it's very systems based and it's not very flashy to watch, but it works. And that's when you're in the playoffs, you just need to find a ways to win. And for Dallas, they found a way that they can win. Um, and that's taking them all the way to the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah. I don't know. Man. And then on the other hand, we have in Tampa, it's Tampa's like, I wouldn't say they've, have they really like steamrolled all their competition going into these Stanley Cup playoffs? Tampa is, I think this Tampa team is the Tampa team that we've always expected. Does that make sense? Like, like this was a team that we thought we were going to see, um, I would say, like, last uh, last year, right? If they didn't hit the Blue Jackets, they this was a team that we were expecting to see. Yeah. Like, everyone keeps on saying, this is, you know, Tampa needs to be like this, Tampa needs to be like that. Like, Tampa's supposed to be a great team. And, you know, every year, minus 2015, when they did make the finals, everyone was like, wait, this this, this is it? <laughs> wait, really? This is it? Right? Like, if you look at last year and you saw what they were like against Columbus, you'd say, and you were not a hockey fan, you'd be like, the fuck do you mean this? Oh, sorry, I'm watching my language. But uh, what do you mean this is supposed to be the scariest team in hockey? This team's garbage. <laughs> Right, yeah, and like really, like I think they've been hit by misfortunes along the way. That, like you know, okay, Columbus. I I I would consider the way they faced like Columbus was a abnormality. It wasn't really a reflection of how good Tampa was. And then they had that one year where they lost everyone to injuries, and we're still only a point away from making the playoffs. Right, so I think yeah. what we're seeing like. Even, like and this is still not the best version of Tampa, right? They still have, who knows if Steven Stamkos is going to be healthy enough to play in the finals, right? And this could be, this is also most likely like the final, um, 
final iteration of this version of Tampa, right? With the expansion draft coming up, they've got a couple of players that they're going to need to re-sign and they're going to have to part with, right? Like this is kind of like their last, their last run with this kind of core group. So if, if Tampa loses and Dallas wins, has this era of lightning hockey been a failure? Um, I think if you were just like a hockey fan and you didn't have any allegiances to this particular team, I think you would say like Tampa was successful with the run with all their current core players. But I think if you're a Lightnings fan, you would be disappointed, right? Like you, you've, you know, been contending for the president's trophy basically for all the years, except that one injury plagued year. And you got, you knew that you had a good team. You were set up like it was a very strong, you had depth, and the fact that you got were never able to win the Stanley Cup, I think you would, as a Lightning fan, Lightning's fan, you'd be clearly disappointed. But is it a failure? Um, I I wouldn't go so far as saying it's a failure. I think if you're looking for failures, you're gonna look more towards like teams that couldn't succeed in the playoffs, like I don't know, like the Flames, right? Like or, um. Trying to think where some other teams off the top of my head. Um, like, like I think if you look at like Washington, if they never made it, uh, if they never won that cup, I don't think you would consider them a failure. But I think a lot, a lot of Capitals fans would be disappointed that they could never win the Stanley Cup. But you know they did, and this I think this could be kind of um, Tampa Bay's moment. Okay. 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 So you think Tampa Bay wins? Um. Uh I, I think it's gonna be a tough call. Um I don't know how these two teams are gonna match up um going into the playoffs. I mean like they've like and it's hard because like, you know, we could also have the first ever Stanley Cup be being presented to an interim coach, which is gonna be quite hilarious. Okay, um, so like if he wins he's not interim coach. They take off the interim tag, right? <laughs> Well, okay, I, like the I remember like I was reading up and like listening to some interviews, right? Like I think it's bonus isn't a hundred percent sure if he wants to like stay on for after this year as well, right? Like this this guy's sixty five, he, yeah. he's he's been in the NHL for a lot of years, both as a player and coaching, right? Like he coached the Ottawa Senators at one point in the very very beginning, right? Like yeah, and so I think he's trying to you know. Um, you know, look at all his options and see where he wants to go. So, like, I also don't think that, you know, um, Jim Nill's going to, you know, make him head coach, like, take off the interim tag now because what if he jinx it, right? What if it's the interim tag that's, you know, letting Dallas go all the way, right? So, I, I, I have a feeling that the interim tag won't come off or he won't come back until, you know, the start of next season. Like, I don't think we'll hear about that until into the off season. Well, yeah, definitely. I don't think they mess with the, with it now. They don't want to have a distraction. They just don't say anything about it. Um, but you know, if he wants the job and he wins, there's no way they don't give the job to him, right? Like, you can't be like you won the cup and then go to some other guy and be like, "Well, your job is to top this guy because this guy wasn't good enough and he won the cup." Uh, have you talked to the Washington Capitals recently and how they let Barry Trotz go? <sighs> but he wasn't an interim. Okay, yeah, I I guess there's a little bit difference, but you know, back to your question. Who basically, I think you're asking for my prediction here. I think I have to go with the Lightning here in uh, 
six here. I, I think the Lightning have just been too strong. And they've, you know, they've been hard-fought wins, but this is a team that has been able to show that they can win, especially in overtime. They can, you know, score the winning goal. They, they've played a whole bunch of overtime, so they know what's, they know what it means, you know, to play tight games. So I think Tampa has the edge here and can win in six. I go Stars in six, A, because... Thank you, Stars, for being the Golden Knights. <laughs> um, and also, I think Tampa's fatigued, man. I know you can run on adrenaline, but I think at some point, they played a lot of hockey. Like, don't forget about their marathon game with Columbus. Was it six overtimes, seven overtimes? Uh, I don't think it was that much. I think it was like four, maybe five, if we're pushing it. Five, I think five overtimes, yeah. Like, that's another game and a half. Uh-huh. I guess, but, like, the fact that, you know, they finished their second-round series, I think, in, like, five or six or something. And yeah. The, the Stars did have to play a game seven, right, against Colorado, and they had some overtime games, too. I, I think, like, I think that first game, like, that Tampa-Columbus, I think that's been so far off that, like, at this point, I don't think fatigue is as much of a, of, as a, of a factor right now, I think. Yeah. All right, and that's a pretty good one. Um, so let's move on a little bit. So, so we've we've got a prediction. So it's nice. We've got it split up, one for each team. So uh, we can actually uh, someone will win. We won't both be losers in this case. <laughs> well, well, you know the pandemic can hit, and then no one wins. Then the winner of the regular season will be the winner, and that will be the LA Kings. Oh God. Oh, that's just a dream I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that it's, it's a very unrealistic dream. I would call it a nightmare for your unrealistic dream. Fan. You're a nightmare for the average NHL fan. I I don't think we should attack people individually. I think we should be attack attacking the idea and not the person. There, you know, stop I, attacking I my ideas. My ideas are hard fought. Okay, I tried. To come up with a great idea, and I think I I feel like I came up with a great idea. Well, I, I well, I don't think it was a great idea, and you know another <laughs> not, another not so very great idea is whatever the hell Minnesota is doing right now with the roster. Well, let's be honest here. Minnesota has just been a giant question mark for ages. Well, we were thinking that when Bill Guerin came in to replace Paul Fenton, I, I think people were, you know, oh, maybe there'd be like a change in leadership. Maybe, you know, we'll be able to see, you know, something different, a little bit different, something that, you know, might kind of show us like a, a way out for Minnesota. Maybe they can finally figure out what they want to do and like with the rest of their, with their team. And, you know, this offseason has been a, a question mark, two question marks, maybe. If we're pushing it, three question marks. What are these question marks, Jeffrey? Um, well, do you want to go first with the maybe? Let's start with the trades, right? You know, Minnesota has been the most active team in this very short off season of uh, trades. So and, far. Well, okay. Actually, no. I would say let's say let's give it four. Let's say four. Um, I would give four uh question marks for this. Are you sure it's not five? Uh. I like the Kirill Kaprasov move, so I'll, I was just I'll stop at four. Okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can go by uh, chronological. So okay. September 11th, uh, the Minnesota Wild acquired Nick Bukestad for 2021st conditional seventh. 
um, did, is this team just continuing going to collect uh, mid-20 uh, forwards that have been cast off and seeing if that they work out? Because to my knowledge, I think only one of them has really worked out. I don't know if anyone else has worked out. I think the one that has worked out has also left the team. <laughs> Unless I'm thinking of someone else. I'm thinking about Kevin Fiala. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking about Eric Stahl. <laughs> He's not mid-20s either, I know. I don't know why I'm thinking about that. But uh, I don't know. I think like you bring home a local you bring home your local boy, and you know, it's a big thing for you to bring home the local guy. They did bring home the local guy, but like he's not worth it. That's why he's available for a conditional seven, <laughs> right? It's not even a like you know you're helping them out by eating this contract at this point, right? Yeah, and like I get Minnesota is a team that has a little bit of cap space that they can play with, but I don't know if that's the best way, right? Like they've taken on guys that are like Ryan Hartman, you know, Ryan Donato. Um, I. You could probably put like Victor Rask into that conversation. Nino Nita Rider, if we want to go a little further back, right? Like they've added these mid twenty forwards who seem like they're they aren't going to develop anymore, and you know they just want to take a stab at them and see what's going to happen. I forgot Alex Galchenyuk. You know, this is the same team that you know took Alex Galchenyuk off the Pittsburgh Penguins for Jason. Like, here's the thing, though. Like I'm okay with you trying to make like these moves to try to like have these reclamation projects. But at some point when you're like, this is the third team to make this reclamation project, maybe there is nothing left to reclaim. Yeah, that's true. And you know, I like Nick Bukestad as a player. I mean, there's not, you're not going to find many six foot six centers. Right. But at the same time, you also need that center to be on the ice and not in your injury reserve. So that's yeah, like nothing against the dude. The dude seems like just like a genuinely nice guy, right? But like, I don't think as a hockey trade at four and a half million, you're effectively using your cap as a weapon, which is kind of what the, the point of this trade was, right? Like you you get the you weaponize your cap, but they're not effectively weaponizing the cap. Does that make sense? Yeah, like really, they didn't weaponize it, right? Like they took on a player, but that it's a player that may or may not be able to help them in the short term right like this is a one-year deal reclamation project like if say like they you know what if um minnesota offered a better pick and maybe pittsburgh sent over at least a, like an asset right like bukestat is an asset but to me he's a fairly weak asset at this point right like if he gets healthy and he's you know puts up 30 something points completely worth it but uh, i think it's quite it, it, it's it's a very it's a smaller pos- probability than you know actually using that cap space to you know either sign a free agent or using it with another team and try and get assets another way. I'm gonna put it this way. I'm gonna use your words against you. All right. Um, if he gets healthy, hopefully he'll have thirty points. That's what you mentioned previously, right? Yep. That is, in your opinion, one of the better case scenarios, right? Uh, yeah, like 30 points plays like is relatively healthy for the season. Yeah. This is at four and a half million dollars. At four and a half million dollars, best case scenario is he gets 30 point, 30 ish points. 
uh, half his salary is retained. So he Minnesota's only on. I'm not uh, looking at that. Only... I'm looking at, yes, I know that's one thing, but like I'm saying as a whole, if your your reclamation project best case scenario is he can get you thirty ish points. I don't know if that's a that's a great thing. It's only costing you two million towards the cap. All you had to give off was a conditional seventh. And if he also like right? helps yeah. make the play, yeah, if he also makes you make, helps you make make the playoffs too. Then I, I would consider that as successful. Like okay, but like whether or not Nick Bustad, yeah, whether or not Nick Bustad plays, they're making the playoffs. This is the Minnesota Wild we're talking about. They're going to make the playoffs, go in the first round, and lose. Well, you know, this year they technically didn't, so I I, I think I'd have to disagree with you on that. Okay, but we always talk about the when we talk about the wild, we always have to talk about one player though, right? There's one player that stands out amongst the wild. Like who is Mister Wild? Okay, I said we're going chronological, so slowly. Oh right, sorry, yeah, I cut I cut you off there. Sorry, Jeffrey, I'm just so excited about. Not excited. I just wanted to talk about this so much. What is this next thing on your chronological order that we're we're going to talk about? I'm looking. Next one is September fourth, fifteenth. Here we go. Jonas Brodin signs four days later. Huh? Yeah, signs a seven-year yeah. extension, forty-two million dollars, uh, with the Minnesota Wild. Again, is Minnesota Wild content? Cont- uh, like, are they going to be contending within the next couple of years that they need to lock up um, Jonas Brodin for seven years? See, I think right now, if, right now, if you have six million dollars, you're like, oh, that's a pretty good deal. That's not bad. But by year five, year six, you're gonna you're gonna regret this deal. I feel like, and then right now you're like, oh, it's not bad. You know, it's a pretty good deal. But like, give it some time. And this is, I think, this is one of those deals where you're like, it's pretty good to start, but then oh my goodness, to end. Like he's still a young guy. Like he's 27. He's going right into his prime. So like, yes, like towards the end, it's gonna look not as great. But like you're locking up a defensive core of Jared Spurgeon at 30. Ryan Suter at 35, Jonas Brodin at 27, and, well, who knows about Matt Dumba, but he's locked up for at least another three years, and he's 26. And this is the defense core you're going when you have no idea where you're going as a team still, if you're going to be contending. Well, I, I think with the signing, you're not, you're no longer a, I don't know what we're doing anymore. Yeah, like this is maybe signifying that they think they're contenders, possibly. Yeah, I think at this point, with... The res- with what they're going with, I think this is a we're going for it. It yeah. has to be and, right. And the thing, yeah, the thing too is that like you know, this contract has you know the first four years is a no movement clause, and Jonas Brodin was a hot commodity during the la- this um, past trade deadline because you know Minnesota wasn't doing so well. They technically weren't going to make the playoffs. You know, he had one more year left. Could be helpful at a you know reasonable cap hit of just under four point two million, right? And yeah. the thing too, I'm looking at it like if Minnesota wanted to trade him, he would be very valuable, right? He's only making four point two million, but his base salary is only three point five. So that's one of those contracts where you know the player is actually making less than his cap hit, and that's something that you know a lot of teams would want, especially under yeah. the COVID where everyone's having you know financial problems. So this was a guy that you probably could have turned into multiple assets either at the during the offseason or at the trade deadline. But now 
you've locked them up for another seven years at six mil and you don't know if your team's actually going to succeed or not with that yeah i think definitely this is it like saying hey we're still trying to contend right like that kind of makes sense that they're trying to contend because like as long as you have that parise contract and that suitor contract you have to you have to at least try right you do, but do you have to sign guys like Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Burdine to extensions for that long? That's past, you know, when Ryan Suter and Zach Parise are probably going to retire before? Well, at the end of the day, you never know if, like, if they didn't sign such a long contract, whether or not they'd be willing to sign, able to sign him at a specific, you know, at a specific cap hit. Yeah, but uh, like more more towards like Spurgeon and Brodeen, like would have not made more sense that you know maybe trade them for you know assets that can help you out at the same time. Like not necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean you have to trade them for picks and prospects, but maybe be able to swap swap them for you know players that you could use right now to still help you keep you in contention, right? Instead of signing them to massive seven year extensions that are gonna look terrible by the time they end. It's very, it's very NHL to, it's very Minnesota to sign them to a seven-year deal. Yeah, I, I just think it's like at least it, they weren't like they didn't max them out to eight years. Like at least they had some sense, but still, like they're very long-term contracts. I, I don't really understand why Minnesota thinks that they can contend. I get that they have to at least show that they can contend because they have Parisian suitor, but. I just feel like it's a it's a move that's going to continue to bite them at their in the ass into the 2020s into the 2030s most likely. Jeez, 2030s. Well, Holy I mean, cow. these contracts go until 2027, 2028, and you know by then they're still going to be rebuilding. So then, like, probably it's going to take them at least two or three years to like maybe rebuild from after those contracts. So it'll be in the 2030s by then, right? That's what I'm saying. Oh my god, 2030s. All right, so Jeffrey, let's move on. What's up next? All right, third move. Um, the Minnesota Wild trade Eric Stahl to the Sabres for Marcus Johansson. Um, do you want to take this one, maybe, Olsen? It just feels like one of their best signings in the last couple of years. You traded him for another mid-round reclamation project you love so much <laughs> this is only what i it's a good trade in terms of cap hit and everything but at the same time like that i, I don't know that's the feeling i got like it's not like minnesota's even like they're trading okay yes they're trading the older player and they're getting a guy that's you know six seven years younger um but then all the other things don't make sense right eric Stahl was more productive as a player he's making less of a cap hit Right, like, and also I I've got to say Eric Stahl, how did you not put Buffalo on, as your on one as one of your teams on your no trade list? I think you should automatically put that along with LA, the LA Kings. Like those are teams that you don't want to go to. Well, maybe Buffalo just has really good wild wings, and you know, sorry, <laughs> Buffalo have really good wings, and you're like, I am a wing connoisseur, and this is the one place I want to go to. Uh. I, I was thinking maybe he left Buffalo because you know it's it's close to Thunder Bay, maybe it's not close close to Thunder Jeez. Bay, but like it, it's it's close to Canada at least. So maybe you might leave Buffalo there, but like to me, like 
I'm trying to find a reason why. Like, maybe Eric Stahl wanted to leave. or But, like, I can't see from Minnesota's point of view why they would want to trade um, Eric Stahl away at all. And the fact yeah, that I don't know. all they could get I mean, was... it's less cap hit, right? The cap hit is smaller. So they could they can get another uh, a Nick Bustad. <laughs> no, 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 no. Marcus Johansson has a higher cap hit than Eric Stahl. Does he? I read it wrong. Oh my god! I really don't know why you're doing this now. Then. Yeah, like to me, it makes no sense. And then when we combine it with today's news on Friday, September is it 18th? I have no idea what day it is. I, I lost. Today is the 18th. Good job, Jeffrey. Yeah, so, you know, it's always good to have a veteran center, you know? I know Austin loves to talk about, you know, you need the veteran centers in L.A. with Anze Kopitar and Jeff oh my Carter, gosh. right? He's my boy. <laughs> but then, you look at Minnesota, you know, they just traded one of their veteran, you know, centers, um, Eric Stahl. And, you know, they've got a veteran center who, you know, who's been with the team for, you know, a couple of years, you know. You know, might be part of the leadership group. But now it sounds like he's not coming back. At this point, who is playing center for you, Minnesota? Ryan Donato. Maybe Nick Bustad? <laughs> Nick Bustad, yeah. If he doesn't get on the ice, then he can't redeem his uh, himself. <laughs> oh, my God. So, but, okay, what did, what did the news come out about Miko Kovia today, Olsen? So there's a statement from Bill Guarantee, GM, announcing that the team will not re-sign Mika Koivu for the upcoming season. Uh, 15 years of the, with the Wild. Um, and where has worn the captaincy for the last 11 years. Um, I don't know, man. This is, this is kind of bittersweet. I don't know. It's like It feels like end of an era, but then at the same time, you're like, we just signed Jonas Brodin in seven years. So it's like, is it the end of a fucking era? I don't know. Because let's be honest here. I don't think... I, maybe it's because I don't want to see it happen. But like, I don't think Kobe is going to sign with Jim McKay. I think he's just going to retire, right? He's 37. And 28 points this year. Um, in 59... Uh, 21 points this year, sorry. In 55 games. Like, why leave on a on a anything but a high note? But at the same time... You look as a Leafs fan, Jeffrey. You look at Mats and Dean, right? And at the same time, then you go like, "Well, maybe you just want to chase for the cup." And you, you, you know, you got to feel for the guy. You're like, "Yeah, you get it. You understand." So I don't know, man. I, I just, for me, it just feels like a, I don't know. Unless he's retiring, then it kind of just feels like, why not just resign him? Yeah, and I think it 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 says a lot if it's coming from the GM that they're not going to resign him. Like if if. Miko Koivu came out and said, like, you know, thank you, Minnesota, for all your opportunities. You know, I'm going to the twilight of my career, and I, at this point, I really want to win, and that's why I've decided that I'm going to look for other opportunities. If it came from Miko Koivu, I think it's a little bit more respectable. But when it comes from the organization that you're not going to sign your longest-serving player ever, captain for 11 years, and that you're not going to resign him, then that kind of tells, tells me that A, Miko Koivu wanted to come back to Minnesota, and B, this is a shit organization. See, I, I'm a little different here in this one. I, I could see him at, telling the organization, hey, you guys want to just save for me? Because if you look at 
the NHL and you look at Miko Koivu, he's always been a more reserved guy. He just, you know, may not just want to get deal with this and just say, hey, you know what? You guys are resigning. Just, just tell them the guy. Like, it's okay. Yeah, more reserved uh, guy. I, I, I think when you're talking about like going for chasing for a cup, even like look at like Daniel Alfredson, like another, I would say like one of those quiet leaders, Matt Sundin, a little more of a quiet leader. Like I, they still, they were the ones that really came out to say that, you know, you know, they've been with this organization and thank them. And then they want to, you know, go for a cup. I think it's always been, even I know Miko Kovu is quiet, but like to me, I think that you would kind of want to see it come from, um, the player themselves a little bit more, but because when it comes from the organization, it just looks like a dick move. Yeah, I don't know. I think we agree to disagree here. Um, if Batman gets a B, what does Bill Guerin and the Minnesota Minnesota Wild get? Okay, I think you might think I'm being too too high of a mark here, but C minus, <laughs> which on its own is like, hold up, if this is what you might, I'm being too good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, C- is, a, I think it's a little high, right? I, I know you're trying to be a little bit generous, but I don't know. I, I think you have to see them on the ice next season. Plus, there's more moves to go off. Right? going to see them on the ice, Jeffrey? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think we're done with uh, trying to do, um, uh, trying to make puns there with, you know, B for Batman, seeing them on the ice. No, let, let's just move on. Let's just move on. We, we're done with this. So, <laughs> this is what I'm like when I'm when I have my batteries charged. <laughs> yes, he can make jokes now. But you know, Austin has a tweet that he wants to talk about. Surprisingly, not from our favorite uh, Twitter handle, uh, because Austin has, still hasn't asked uh, Jack Max if he wants to be on our podcast. You know what? Let's see if my boy Jack Max has actually, you know, put anything on on Twitter recently. So this is unplanned. We never planned to talk about our buddy Jack Max today, but he's my he's my new idol. I, I gotta always check on him. No, he's nothing new since since September tenth. So yeah, nothing since last week. So we're gonna have to skip on that. I think Jeffrey. I think every now and then we should check on maybe not every episode, but every now and then see what he's up to. Yeah, that that sounds like a good idea. Until you actually bring him onto our podcast, I guess we should uh, just make sure he's doing all right. My hero. You're gonna see me. You're gonna see me kissing so much ass, Jeffrey, if he's on the podcast. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just Austin in real life. He just kisses ass every time he, you know. Can I say, I like people to be happy around me. Sure, okay. I don't like people being upset around me. I'm sorry, Jeffrey, jeez. Okay, fine, fine, fine. But, you know, let's go to the tweet that you wanted to talk about. All right, so the tweet I did want to talk about. Um, so, this is from Rick Westhead from the, from, uh, the Sports Network, W5 and CTV National News. Um, so he actually tweeted out on September 16th, so two days ago. Today's the 18th, so we're recording on Friday. Um, uh, a survey from Morning Cons- Console, which is one of the uh, one of the what's it called surveying companies, I guess, similar to Ipsos Reid, you know, um, so and so. Um, so Morning Console is in the states, and they took a look at the four major sports: NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL. Sorry, MLS, you got a little bit of work to go. And they looked at their average demographic of these fans. So the question they at, they were looking for is among U.S. Ad, US adults, which is interesting because then I'll bring this up in a sec. But it's among U.S. adults who have a very favorable opinion of a team in each league. 
And this is for 400,000 adults. So that's insane. Because what does the U.S. have? Like 300 million people? It's around there, Jeffrey? Uh, they might have lost a few during the pandemic, but maybe around there. Jeez, that's, that's dark, Jeffrey. Come on. <laughs> See, I recharged my batteries too. So now I'm uh, able to uh, uh, respond back to Olsen at times. So U.S. population, according to my is 328 million. So this is... Over 1% of the population. So that, I'm sorry, that's insane. Um, and they looked at their race or ethnicity and political affiliation. So, of course, the Bag of Pucks podcast, we talk about the NHL. So, is where our focus is going to be. But by 1% over the MLB and 14% over the 17%, sorry, over the NBA, the NHL has the most amount of white fans or they identify as Caucasian, and the least amount of fans who identify as black. But here's where I got really interested. The NFL and MLB had 20% each of Hispanic fans, NBA 23%, and the NHL had 21%, which, I mean, it's very, I'm very surprised about this because, you know, especially when the MLB, I thought it'd be much higher, right? You know, MLB is pretty, baseball is a pretty popular sport in Central America, and I, you know, assume would probably reach Mexico, Mexico and whatnot, right? Like, NHL is very much a cold-weather sport. There's a reason why usually the top teams in the World Championships are Canada, U.S., you know, Sweden, Russia, Finland. Like, those are all very cold countries <laughs> compared to, I don't know, Mexico, right? So I was a little surprised, though, that the NHL has made a lot of inroads um, with Hispanics. And that's really interesting. And uh, they also looked at political affiliation, but there's nothing really overly interesting in my opinion here. Besides one thing, the NHL has a lot of independent fans. So somewhere, I'm not going to go into the politics of it, I have no intention to, but somewhere out there, Tim Thomas is sitting out there being like, I told you guys. I told you guys. So the story is, um, when the Bruins first won, he turned down the opportunity to go to the White House um, just for reasons that he just didn't agree with the politics. But we're not going to get in that because I really don't know well enough. And I really don't think I should talk about it if I don't know well enough. Um, but besides the point, um, 36% of NHL fans are independent voters, which is more than any other sport by at least 5%. So that's really cool. Um, and then... Here's the really interesting part where I got from this. Um, so basically, Jeffrey, what is my team? Um, the bandwagon LA Kings. The bandwagon LA Kings. So the bandwagon LA Kings have the most interesting interesting point here in this fact that there's only there's less it's the only team in the NHL with the people that they surveyed where white fans account for less than half of the fan base. So 48% of LA King fans are white. And a surprising 28% of LA King fans are Hispanic. And you might say, well, there's a lot of Hispanic people in LA, which is very, very true. Um, but the fact is, if we look at African-American fans of the LA Kings, is the highest percentage compared to the rest of the league at 19%. So I just want to give a big shout-out to the LA Kings. You know, they've really reached inroads with that Hispanic and um, African-American community. 
And it's very interesting because if we look at uh, the complete opposite, the Boston Bruins, the Boston Bruins have 70% of the fans surveyed were white, uh, 11% identified as black, and 17% identified as Hispanic. And I don't know, for me, it just shows that the LA Kings as a whole is really making inroads in the community. And I think there is, I think they're one of the few teams that actually have a Hispanic broadcast on TV in uh, Fox Sports, and I don't even know the Spanish channel for them, um, which is really interesting. I think this is exactly what the NHL needs to continue to do. You know, reach out, use the Kings as a template, you know, and just reach out to different markets. I know they're looking at all 31 NHL teams. So for some reason, they asked Toronto Maple Leaf fans in the States, you know, what race and what political affiliation you have. So that's kind of like, eh, you don't really get the full picture. Because, you know, it's probably a smaller sample size. But there's definitely very much so, there's very, very big populations of minorities in other parts of the States that could really emulate what the LA Kings have done. And to really reach out to that community. I mean, that's something that not just the teams need to do, but as the NHL needs to do from Batman down. Jeffrey, I hear you. Like you're trying to say something. What do you got? Well, I just want to, you know, stop you from pumping your own tires there. This is a survey <laughs> that pulled what you said, like 4,000 Americans, which is 400,000 Americans. 400,000 Americans, which is a very small sample size of. You know, probably total. It, it might be a. It's it's probably more than one percent of hockey fans. Let's say. No, it's more one percent of Americans. Period. I know, but it, but not every because this is asking about U.S. adults who say they have a very favorable view of a team, right? So if they don't have a favorable, yeah, I guess, yeah, right. There's going to be people who don't really care about hockey, but I don't want you to pump your t- pump pump the tires too much because, you know, can we say that? Every, uh, the other Kings are statistically significantly better than all these other teams. Maybe it's because of the general population they have. Maybe it's actually, it could be statistically insignificant. We don't actually know because we don't have the raw data. So, you know, it is good to see that, you know, certain teams have made maybe percentage-wise slightly more inroads with different populations. Probably we can say non-traditional hockey um audiences but i think we still need to be careful in saying that you know la kings the the la kings are doing a fantastic job when i think all these teams are still have a long way to go and you know going back to batman at the very beginning right because he has started the expansion when he came in as commissioner he really wanted to expand into the southern u.s i think that's really helped with um growing the sport and um, introducing the sport to different, uh, the non-traditional hockey populations, right? So your Hispanics, um, your uh, individuals who identify as, as African-American as well, right? Like that's probably why we're maybe, if we were to compare this to maybe, you know, if the survey was done 10 years ago, maybe we would be able to see a significance. But I don't think we can necessarily say by team um, that, one team is doing better than the other. I think the more important thing is when we look at the average, right? It's still um, the pop, the racial and ethnic makeup of most NHL team fan base are still pre- pre- predominantly white. Jeffrey's no fun. <laughs> I'm just I just speak the truth, you know. Like I am the rational, practical one, and you know sometimes you need a cool head on this podcast because you know Olsen goes off script 
or he goes off topic, and you know, someone just needs to, you know, bring him down a level, level a little bit. I'm raw, man. I speak from the heart. Uh, well, you know, speaking from the heart sometimes is good, but sometimes you gotta, you know, just check the facts before you go off on one of your tangents or one of your all right anyway i think that pretty much wraps up this episode um we don't want to let Austin keep you know trying to go off on one of his other rants and uh who knows maybe the information is correct maybe the facts will show that uh the facts and the data will show that uh, you know the LA kings are doing a great job but we cannot tell so you know Austin's just being a little bit biased there we won't know until we actually see the raw data so Wow. <laughs> Austin, do you have any uh, final thoughts there? I think you hate fun and you hate you hate when when people are, should be proud of things. <laughs> no, I I just like to if you want to you just want me to make sure that you are supporting things that are true, right? We don't want to support Are you saying that, that it's fake news, Jeffrey? Are you saying that it's fake news? I'm saying it is um What's it called? What do they do on the news stations? It needs to be confirmed by the fact news checked. organization. Fact check. No, fact no, check no, no. Yeah. No, they have to like what's it called? Um, yeah. Well, the news organizations like if they receive like video footage of something, they need to you know yeah verify the authenticity. Yeah. They. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever those things. And I think it's part <laughs> of authenticize stuff on Twitter sometimes. So. Authenticate. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? I, 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 I'm not a hater. I, I don't think it's fake news, but I think we need to authenticate it first before we can, you know, really be able to prove something. Jeffrey hates interesting things. All right. <laughs> I, I, let's not ha- let Alston have a final word today. I guess I think he's already had his final word, and you can kind of see that uh, where he's going at. But you know, the same my fi- I, I, you know, I'm gonna jump in here. Actually, I'm gonna jump in here. I think my final word for today is. Um, Stay safe, uh, wash your hands, and we love y'all. All right. And, you know, Stanley Cup's finals is uh, about to begin. If it's a sweep, you guys will hear about our recap. If it isn't a sweep, we'll maybe talk about the finals. At least it'll be a little bit interesting, right? It's Dallas versus Tampa. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bag Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.